Hi, this is Greg Penny, and you're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with my buddies Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchert. It's the weekly music news for the new music business. From Yahoo, walking a fine line, when will Spotify become and stay profitable? From Hypebot, the 2021 Grammy's Guide to the For Your Consideration Marketing. From Eric Elliott, welcome to the music metaverse. And for Music Ally, will YouTube be the music industry's biggest partner by 2025? Question mark. We've got this. We've got a lot more. It's episode number 65. This is the Your Morning Coffee podcast. Stand by for transmission. This is London Coffee. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your Morning Coffee is on the air. On the air. On the air. Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Well, happy Saturday, Jay. We record on yeah. Saturday these days. We're back to Saturday. I love, love it. Saturday. It's a, it's a it's a drizzly dreary day in Southern California. Yeah, here it was really foggy. It's it's all it's sunny now, but it was really oh, foggy it? this morning. Yeah, it's still a little overcast at my house, but it's. Uh, I'll be driving into... up. I'll be driving up past your house today. I'm going to Santa Barbara to see uh, a band called um, the Silent Comedy, and uh, they're they're fantastic. And they've got a new single that dropped Friday. It's a cover of Fleetwood Mac's "The Chain." So that's what I'll be that doing song. today. I'll wave to you as I drive by Ohio. Well, then I will be driving by you after that because I know you're going to be at the <laughs> Polo Grounds there. That's where the yes. where the festival is being held. So it's right yes. off the freeway on the 101 in Carpinteria. So we All will right. we be we will be close to each other, but not with right. each other well, at that time. We'll try so, to keep the noise at a reasonable volume. I would assume that you will do that. So thank you. Uh, so Jay, let me before we get started, can we just give a shout out to our sponsors because our sponsors yeah. rock. We are <clears throat> excuse me sponsored by TiVo Music Metadata dedicated to bringing order to the chaos of digital music. TiVo Music Metadata offers obsessively deduplicated artist, album, and song IDs, expert written editorial content and ratings, verified images, weighted deep descriptors, similar artists, band members, and influences, authoritative credits, personalization, discovery and search APIs, purpose-built solutions for classical music, and a global connected car platform linking broadcast radio with streaming. To learn more, jump over to TiVo.com slash music. That is TiVo Music Metadata. Love it. Uh, Your Morning Coffee is also brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians. Seriously. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform. It makes it really easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website, they're all built in. Hosting, custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, Tools to sell your music and merch commission-free. That's the key. Commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features. Mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters out. Social media integrations and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com. Try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, Morning Coffee, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code MORNINGCOFFEE. 
And we are also proud to have HypeBot as a sponsor. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. I, I read HypeBot every day. Speaking of bands in town, 65 million live music fans trust bands in town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. The number one artist services platform connecting over 550,000 artists with their super fans. Uh, managers, labels, agencies, and uh, artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Indeed. Big thanks to everybody. Bandzoogle, Bands in Town, Hypebot, and of course, TiVo Music Metadata. Really, really, really How cool are our sponsors, man? We are blessed. Let's just say that. We are (laughs) blessed. If you were to say, you know, pick out the sponsors that you would like for your uh, podcast. These (laughs) are the ones that I would pick out. Because it's like the old joke, you know, um, I'm not only the hair club president, I'm also a client or whatever. Exactly. Well, yeah, we've been fans of all of these companies and 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 operations forever you know and so we're it's just a, a neat thing that we get to get to co- uh, collaborate with them on our show so we do appreciate yeah. that much to talk about jay in today's uh in today's episode um let us jump in what do you say we're, we're, let's get well, going let's get going but before we do oh, okay. um i want to tell you that the guy sitting across this uh divide oh, yes. is, is my friend mike hetchart longtime host of sound and vision radio <laughs> formerly of sst records warner music capital emi and universal music you almost forgot didn't you i almost forgot that we have to do that so yes <laughs> my good friend and co-conspirator of the podcast he is none other than jay gilbert he of course is the curator of the your morning coffee newsletter Weekly music news for the new music business and a former executive with Universal, Sony, and Warner Music Groups. And by the way, I, I've, speaking of the places where we've been, uh, you and I texted each other uh, over the during the week about uh, an article. It was a, in the Los Angeles Times. It was a review of a book that the, the author you're going to have on your music. Uh, your music business podcast, and but but it, the the writer who wrote the review at the end of his byline in the article, it mentioned he's got a book coming out uh, about SST Records, my first employer what? in the music business. Yeah, it's called Corporate Rocks. I think it's, I think it's called Corporate Rock Still Sucks: The Rise and Fall of SST Records. So. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I think the book's coming out in April, so uh, it'd be interesting right. to read. I just jotted that, that down. That'll go yeah. on my, my to-do list. Well, there you go. Exactly. So, thank you, Jay, for reminding me that we do that at the beginning. Gee, well, <laughs> you would think at episode 65, I would remember to do that. But well, apparently, you know, it's I'm in the still, morning, and we're it's just in the having morning. Coffee, please. And, uh, you know, be kind. And I am not a. Um, a morning person, as we've talked about many, many times. So anyway, all right. That's well, let's why I jump appreciate into... you doing this so much. Is you know, I know you're not like <laughs> that morning person. Yet you just you get up and you're all sleepy eyed, and you're like, okay, let's go. It's it's a good thing it's not a video <laughs> podcast because you would see that my hair is all askew and bags under my eyes, and I got my pajamas on, and well, and I've always said, Mike, uh, I've got a face for radio. There you go. As as do I. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, now we can jump into it. Let's. This is okay. um. This is from Yahoo. Actually, walking a fine line. When will Spotify become and stay profitable? It's by Goran Damchevsky. I believe it's yep. Correct, well played, correct pronunciation. Yes, exactly. And this was actually originally produced uh, or published in Simply Wall Street News, which you mentioned yeah. is a pretty heady. Uh, yeah, I went over there and checked that out, and I and signed up. Um, they have analysis on companies, mm-hmm. uh, not just music companies, but any company. Sure. They have these beautiful charts and graphs, and I'm such a sucker for, you know, just charts uh, and graphs. data and charts and all of that stuff. When people can make complicated things simple, and when you can visually look and kind of understand a trend, and there, there's an art to that. Um, yes. I sent this uh, article to my friend uh, Jason Cleave this morning. Um, it was on Medium where it listed like the 10 best data visualiza- <laughs> visualization uh, <laughs> uh, platforms. And it was, you know, again, none of it was music, but it just shows the trends and 
Um, this is really the simply uh, Wall Street uh, news is what you would think it. it it's about you know investing, and I love what they've done with you know kind of Spotify, which leads us beautifully into this, which is you know it speaks to that article but goes in uh, a little bit deeper. As you probably know, you know Spotify hasn't been profitable you know ever, and they've actually been spectacularly unprofitable. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I heard that adjective in their uh, earnings call, but yes, no, uh, they just don't say they've that. been spectacularly un- unprofitable. And and what this article is really very encouraging, saying that they're moving towards well, at least break it, break even. You know, they're not mm-hmm. saying well they're going to be profitable, you know, anytime soon, but they're they're zeroing in on becoming um, kind of. Even it says that you know together with their subsidiaries, of course they provide streaming services worldwide. Uh, the latest financial year they had a loss of five hundred and eighty-one million euros, um, and <laughs> that's the, spectacular. You know, mo- yeah, and the twelve months prior, uh, one hundred and twenty million euros. Um, so you know, according to you know twenty-three industry analysts that cover Spotify, the consensus is that break-even is near. They expect the company to post a financial loss in 2021 before kind of turning the corner in 2022 with what they're predicting is going to be over a hundred million euro profit. Yeah. Pretty soon you're talking about real money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but that again, you know, you, you look at a, a more than half a billion euros loss. Um, that's, that's a lot of dough, man. But I, that's 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 the big leagues, right? I mean, that is. But you know the, what, Mike? We, you know, I remember Amazon back in the day when you and I worked together. Amazon was only books, and then they started getting into music, mm-hmm. and they were not profitable for right. years. It might have even been, I'm guessing here, but like ten years. It took a while, but eventually they got they got there. You have to build the infrastructure. People think that streaming music is easy. You know, you just you know, that's bits, but you have to have servers and you have to have applications and you have to have engineers and you have to have people, you know, manning the store. So there are costs involved um, with that. And it, it takes a while to grow your audience and grow your business. And so even it, the big dogs like Amazon, it, it took a while for them to become profitable. And it mentions here, beyond the profitability estimates, there is a good predictor of a, if a company is closer to becoming profitable soon. That is the state of free cash flows. Mm. Inter- it says, interestingly, Spotify has been free cash flow positive for a while, which means that the company can converge uh, to profitability and possibly that management is delaying the rise in order to set a better terrain for continuous operations. You know what we call that? Mike, we call that sandbagging. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing that, but that's really interesting. <laughs> it is. It says Spotify currently has some debt. However, a company may have certain benefits if it is profitable and using the interest expense from debt in order to deduct taxes. As debt rarely makes sense to be undertaken by a cash-positive young growth company, we can assume that Spotify's management expects to become profitable soon and carry over the losses incurred from debt repayments. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that before. So they put together some um, reasons, some possible reasons why profitability might come under pressure uh, in the future. So here's some of the challenges, right? Spotify has got to strive to develop features that bring their clients pleasure while making it hard for its competitors to reproduce the service of similar quality. Now, you and I talk about this a lot. Spotify is doing that. They're innovating. You know, we talked about Shopify, you know, that integration recently. Um, the Spotify music for artists, you know, was way ahead of the curve with everybody. The fans first and, you know, the advertising on platform like marquee ads and just all of these great things. So that that's the first one. They have to. But we've also talked strive. about we've also talked about, though, that they have to because they are different from Google Music and Amazon Music and Apple. It's you know, this is their ball game only. Yeah, that uh, and they don't. So, to your point, with yeah. with Google, Amazon, Apple, if they were to lose music tomorrow, they would survive. It's not their core business. They're good at it, but it's not yeah. their core business. This is all well. Spotify, you know, they're getting into the car thing. Yeah, it's called yes. the car thing. They're getting into podcasts. They're getting into all these different things. 
but really their core business right now is music and they are innovating. So a, a couple of other reasons that profitability might come under pressure in the future. Um, they claim that Spotify needs to produce a better suggestion algorithm for its users. I couldn't disagree more than that. Yeah, I don't know. That was interesting. In the, yeah. Anybody really? in the game other than maybe Pandora that's playing at that level of how good their, um, their, you know, recommendation, um, personalization uh, is. So I'll, I'll agree to disagree there. Uh, the next one is monetization. Spotify needs to develop its service high enough that there is a meaningful difference between the experience of a free and a paid user. And that's been kind of the rub, right? Mm -hmm. um, the industry, a lot of folks do not like the fact that you can subscribe to Spotify basically for free with some limitations and you get mm -hmm. ads. Um, th that's really been a challenge. There's so little revenue in that. And of course, as we talked about last week, and we're going to be talking about in the future, you know, the songwriters, you know, um, only getting 15.1% of that revenue that comes out of there. And, you know, that's under fire right now. The, yep. the DSPs want it to be 10%. You know, the publishers want it and for the songwriters. They want it to be 20%. So we won't go down that uh, rabbit hole. Um, a Today, other really, yeah, <laughs> but we, yeah, but we, we have we're saving that for up. another episode. Yes, that's right. And uh, you know, like new avenues of growth. They talk about Joe Rogan experiment, mm -hmm. you know, the podcast. Um, but the drawback of something like that is there. They say in this piece that they're going to have to embrace controversy. Right? You get somebody on there like Joe Rogan. You know, that's like Howard Stern. It's gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna polarize the audience. People love him, but a lot of people hate him. Right? Yeah. So they're going to have to, in their words. Uh, it, it's going to require courage on the part of management. And then the last one of, you know, some of these potential things they need to do is it says music is a low margin business. You know, after the advance of the Internet, music has become widely available and replicable. Companies have struggled and failed to derive profitability from the music business. You think? Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, these are all, I think, interesting insights um, about um, what Spotify potentially is up against. Um, but uh, it's interesting that they're getting closer to profitability after uh, all of these complaints. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, ultimately they, they end the article by saying that, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're looking good. I mean, it's more or less, they are on the right path. And, um, you know, he said, we also put together a list of essential aspects you should look at if you were an investor, yes. which is valuation. What is Spotify mm -hmm. technology worth today? Has the future growth potential already been factored into the price? That's kind of a mm -hmm. question mark. Uh, management team and experienced management team on the helm increases our confidence in the business. Take a look at who sits on. So they have a link here who you can yeah. see who's on their board and the CEO's background. Yep. And then, you know, on other high performing stocks, are there other stocks that provide better prospects with proven track records? So, you know, if you're an investor, these are all things that you look at and consider. And, um, I, you know, but it seems like, again, they are, they are pretty much in a, in a pretty solid spot at the moment. Um, but yeah. it's a, it, it's, you know, how many times have we seen companies rise and fall uh, for various reasons, not that I'm saying that that's going to happen to them, but it's it's pretty easy in the tech world to get comfortable and confident in companies and then something outside of their control and suddenly they are old news and sometimes completely gone. And Yeah, and you know, the, the stock market is really built on, you know, people's trust. It's, yes. um, they do have, you know, the last thing I'll kind of say on this is that Simply Wall Street uh, site that they pulled a lot of this from, they had three points that they wanted investors to know about Spotify. One, it's trading at 40% below their estimated uh, fair value. So that's important to know. Number two, earnings are forecast to grow almost 64% per year. That's a lot. And then the last one, earnings have grown over 31% year over year for the past five years. So even though they're not profitable, what Simply Wall Street, uh, the website is saying is that they're they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, they're on the path. <laughs> so they're on the path. Yeah, yeah. For for the foreseeable future, our friends at Spotify are doing a good job and well placed to to be a good investment. We that that can change at any time, but we will keep you posted if in fact that does change. Yes, we so, will. <laughs> indeed. Now the next article, uh, it's the it's Grammy time, Jay. 
It or sure we're heading is. into Grammy time, actually. And well, I, it's Grammy voting time. It's Grammy uh, voting the deadline time. Exactly. For round one ended Friday. Ended yesterday. Yes. And I, I subscribe to my favorite newspaper, the Los Angeles Times, and there are tons of ads and online as well um, for your consideration. And we see yeah. this, of course, we see this in all of the awards, you know, whether it's the, the Grammys or the Emmys or the Oscars. Right. For right. your consideration, hey, Grammy voters, we want you to look at this. We want you to think about this. We want you to remember our artist and or our movie or whatever. And so it's that right. time of year. That's one of yeah. the joys of living in Los Angeles is yeah. that we see stuff like this far more frequently than, in, than any other market. Right. You'll and, see billboards. You'll see all sorts of things. Um, by the way, this is a guest post on HypeBot um, from Shannon Silver of The Orchard's the Daily Rind, and it's one of my favorite uh, yeah. resources. Um, it's a really great uh, blog by the distributor, uh, The Orchard, owned by Sony. Um, and again, uh, Shannon Silver, a great job. She pulled a lot of this from uh, the Grammy website. And I'm a, uh, I'm a voting member, um, and I know you're a member. Um, yesterday, the first round of voting uh, ended. So mm -hmm. this, this is the really broad, you know, everything is there. There's no lists of any finalists or any of that. You're just going, it's the very beginning to start filtering things down. And I'm right. honored uh, to be part of that process. And it's, it's really interesting and they make it pretty easy for you when you're, when you're trying to decide what uh, tracks or albums that you think should be um, the finalists, they have little buttons next to each one for the different DSPs, and you can just click and listen to kind of remind yourself what what it is. There's a couple of resources that come out this time of year that are super helpful. There is a billboard uh, issue that came out mm -hmm. recently, and it's really thick because they're all every label is for your consideration. Here sure. are all my things, and here are the um, you know the areas where we want votes. And then uh, Rolling Stone had a great uh, episode, um, primarily devoted to that. There's also a lot of great online resources. But the, the crux of this article is there are rules and regulations surrounding these things. Which I never thought about, to be honest. <laughs> I never even considered that. Um, and I assume it is for all of them, whether it's the Emmys or the Oscars yeah. or, or anything. So, so you can... You can, uh, if you want to do a, a a campaign with the for your consideration, which they, you know, they of course it's the acronym is FYC. Uh, there are yeah. several guidelines that you have to follow, and if you don't, um, that will they thump you on the head with with a mallet? They right? will. I got yes. thumped recently. <laughs> we did a full page ad in in that billboard uh, issue I was telling you uh -huh. about. And we listed that the artist was um, had multiple Grammy nominations. Well, they sent us back uh, a note saying you can't include that because the although the artist has multiple Grammy nominations, this album isn't just that artist. Um, it's featuring others, and they aren't multi-Grammy nominations. So we had to reword that. They're very careful. One of the things... I've always known is that you can't include the entry list numbers or category numbers right. in your ads. I don't understand really why that is. It, it makes it easier for people to kind of find you in mm -hmm. that labyrinth of all of these different releases. Um, but let me go through a few of these, you know, for your consideration um, guidelines. These are the things that you can't do. Right. And some of them are pretty obvious and some of them aren't like you can't cast a negative or derogatory light on a competing recording or artist. That makes sense. Right. You can't yeah. say, hey, I've got this good R&B thing. Don't vote for that Mike Etchart guy. You know, he sucks. Yeah. You, you can't do that. That's that's yeah. not cool. Right. The other thing is you can't exaggerate or overstate the merits of the music or any you know achievements. And that's Wait kind of where I got thumped right is that that could have been construed is yeah the you can't come in there and say yes yeah. i've won 20 grammys and you know i've toured the world 20 times when i haven't you know, well so yeah so they get the ball peen hammer out and they smack you on the head however which cracks me up about this particular one is okay let's let's read let's revisit it again you cannot exaggerate or overstate the merits of the music an achievement or an individual 
By the way, yeah. we're talking about the music business. So, because because that never happens, right? Overstating the merits of the music and achievements and individuals, no. that never In this happens. Business? Weird, right? So, so the fact that they are making you not do what we all do <laughs> in the marketing business of music. Is, They're saying I, I you can do it ironic. in other aspects. You can do yes. it in your, you know, your interviews or whatever. But if you're going to do Grammys, yep. um, you got to be do. legit. It says you can't rec- uh, include uh, Recording Academy trademarks or logos. Mm-hmm. Um, they have rules. Um, and there's a, a link that you can go to and look on the Grammy website for that. Like I said before, you can't include uh, entry list numbers or category numbers. Um, this one I thought was really interesting. Um, you can't include chart numbers, uh, or numbers of streams, sales figures, or RIAA awards. Right. But I've seen some of those, but maybe they're not in like official publications. They're just dropping this stuff online. But, you know, I see all the time, oh, we've reached 400 million streams on this, but I guess I haven't seen it with, you know, for your consideration. So maybe they just keep them separate. Right. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So they, 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 and my other favorite one is uh, they, they do not allow you to include personal signatures, personal regards, or personal pleas to listen to the eligible. Please, I'm begging you to vote for me. I'm begging you to vote for me. And please, please, please listen. Yeah. Can't do that. Um, and of course, yeah. So no, no misrepresentation uh, of honors or awards, past or present. Um, and yeah, and you can't reference the year or the telecast number, which is IE 2021 or 64th Grammy Awards. So yeah, isn't that interesting? Is that kind of odd? That, that one is very odd, but these are the rules, well, Jay. We don't make them. Yeah. We just have to follow them. That's right. And what I find interesting is they, there's a whole section on their website about um, using email and even snail mail um, to kind of target uh, Grammy voters. Um, and I know that someone's got a list out there because I get uh, a ton of mail and email each Grammy voting season. Yeah. You know, they know that, you know, I'm, I'm a voter. I don't know how they know. Um, but I would have to talk to my, some of my friends that are also, um, members of the Academy because you're not supposed to buy or sell any kind of lists of members and you're not supposed to use any kind of list to members, but clearly some people are doing that. Yes, they are. <laughs> because, as I mentioned before, this is the music business. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave it at well, that. We'll just leave it at that. So, you know, we just wanted, we won't spend too much time on this. We just wanted people to know that, you know, you wouldn't really think about the fact that when the Grammys come, that those for your consideration, things there there are rules uh surrounding them and uh you know do they sway the vote i don't know i i don't i don't think so uh, although i do like to go through that billboard um it's the only one each year where they send me a physical copy um mm-hmm. i subscribe to billboard uh, electronically um but every year the grammy one it's a big like double thick issue and it comes yeah. you know in the mail and I like going through there because I like to be prepared when I go to vote that I'm not scrambling going, oh, what was that song again? Where I kind of have a sense of, you know, what what is the record of the year or song of the year or, you know, those types of things where I kind of have it nailed down to where, um, you know, the ones that I think should be. And they encourage you to vote in areas of your expertise, which I think is great too, right? Yeah. If you're really into, uh, let's say, jazz, you know, they want you to vote on those jazz categories so you're a little bit more educated. You're limited to the number of areas that you vote to anyway. Uh, no Grammy member, like, votes on every single... Everything, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah of First of all, it would take you days. <laughs> but, because uh, there's so many different categories. and But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about the, the Grammys coming up. First round voting ended on uh, Friday. So we'll continue to let you know how this uh, moves forward. But I thought that was super interesting. It was. All right. Yeah, the next article we're talking about, Jay, is one, as I told you before we even started recording, I mean, this this next article just gave me a headache. And it gave me <laughs> it a headache. a lot of people. It, and it made me feel old. Those were the two things that, that I came, my takeaway from reading this article. It's from, El, uh, from Eric Elliott, and it's on right. medium.com. Yep. And the title of the article is Welcome to the Music Metaverse. 
the music right. metaverse. And there's, it's been in the news a lot lately because remember Facebook just changed their name to Meta, and That's everybody's right. talking about well, what's the metaverse? And and I love uh, like the first paragraph in here kind of says it all. It says asking what is the metaverse is a lot like asking what is the internet. In many yeah. ways, they are the same question. The short answer is that the metaverse is the online world. That's all you need to know. You sure. know, whether it's these, uh, you know, virtual reality games, you know, or worlds, you know, I went to that, uh, I attended the Music Tectonic Conference, and mm -hmm. they have a, a virtual world where you do, like, meet and greets. You have an avatar, and you're walking around this, you know, virtual <laughs> world. That's part of the metaverse, because it's not real. Sure. I mean, yeah. it's real, but you know what I mean? It's not uh, physical, tangible, tactile. Um it's, it's things like we talk about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and there's a lot of confusion around what is an NFT because it's evolving. And I, I can just see your head splitting right down the middle. I hate, I hate talking about NFTs because it just, it, it's, it's the old guy in me goes, oh, God, really? This, this is a thing? Well, but you, we, were, we were talking again before we hit the record button about the NFT thing. You know, it was red hot and, and it has cooled down a bit. Um, it has. And if you ever want to get on top of it and really know what's going on in the NFT world, subscribe to Sherry Who's Patreon. Yes. Um, which I do. And she has, uh, for her members, she, you have access to a lot of things, but one of them is basically an online database of every NFT that's been sold, what platform it was on, who was involved in it, how much it went for... Um, you can sort this by different things. It's really interesting to look. But for those that are listening that are going, NFT, what the hell is an NFT? Um, let me explain because it's super, super simple in theory, right? Mm -hmm. So an NFT, I'll, 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 I'll make an example. You know, like when, when it's the Mona Lisa, you know, there's one Mona Lisa. But you can go buy a poster of that and hang it up in your house. But it's mm -hmm. not the Mona Lisa. And for a lot of people, that's, that's totally cool. On, uh, on the NFT side, let's say that you have uh, a song or an animated uh, piece of artwork. Now, that can be replicated, but there's what they do is they have one that is the official NFT. Only one. Well, how do you know? Well, it's designated in the metadata on the blockchain. So... Let's say I have this animated piece of digital art. Now I can prove that mine is the Mona Lisa. Mine is the original. You can have a copy of it, and it looks exactly the same. But mine is the only one that's the original. Now, the other thing that's cool about NFTs is, let's say I buy an NFT from you, Mike, um, for $1,000. And it's now I have bragging rights. That's really what it is, is bragging rights. I can right. say I've got it. I can have a frame, you know, in my house that plays my animated uh, artwork, and I own those, and I have bragging rights to that. But what if somebody offers me ten thousand dollars for it, and I decide to sell it? I do that, but you participate in that uh, increased revenue, that profit. You as the artist, you as the and, artist, right? Yeah, and that's and you can designate what that percentage is, and that's something that you don't get in an art gallery. When mm -hmm. I buy your painting, if I sell it the next week for ten times what I paid for it, you don't get an extra dime. But with right. NFTs, and that's I'm oversimplifying this, but you get the idea. It's basically mm -hmm. a digital asset that you can prove that you have ownership of. Right, and as and this article basically st starts with, right now the music industry is awakening to the potential of digital property rights to transform how musicians earn a living, and fans are discovering new ways to connect with the music and each other. So, again, this is sort of uh, digital property rights. I mean, that's exactly that's, right. That's what it is, and it's just you know, for those of us that that didn't come that came of age before the internet, it's just it's a funny thing to get your head around, and <laughs> and it's also sort of it, it's, it's, I mean, I, I I also at some level don't really get the if I can have a, a, an, a an exact digital copy of it, I guess I don't really care that much about owning it, but but that's that's. But that's that's of my generation, right? That's not that's that, exactly that's not, right. That's not current, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> I just it makes my head hurt, Jay. Um, but but that's you know. But this is all of these things are components of the new music business, and it's something that we all have to get our heads around. And yeah. 
pop the Tylenol and just kind of, you know, soldier through and soldier forward with it. But well, just know that you're not the only one. There's a lot of people yeah. trying to figure this out. And one of the panels last week in the Music Tectonic uh, Conference was with uh, Dina LaPolt. And you and I had talked about her, uh, a piece attorney, that she wrote a yep. few weeks ago. Yep. Music Sharp. Business, uh, yeah. Music business attorney. Super smart. And I loved watching her in this discussion. And one of the things that she discussed were how labels and artists are now handling things like nfts and it's not just nfts it's things like virtual goods Mm -hmm. and i know this sounds crazy but if there are a lot of virtual worlds out there in in gaming and so on where you can buy virtual things like an outfit for your avatar or a weapon or a home or those are digital things that you pay money for right? right And that's for some, you know, older folks, that's strange and uh, not very intuitive. But for younger people that grew up with that, uh, they're, they're totally okay with that. So you're right. It's a generational thing, um, but we are learning about it. And the reason I brought up Dina LaPolt in that um, music tectonics conference is that she's talking about how we're blazing a trail. And there's no set rules and regulations quite yet for everything. And so there's negotiations. A lot of people think that law is black and white. But the more I deal with attorneys, the more I realize that it's it's so not that. It's open to interpretation. It's open to circumstances. And it's not quite what you may think um, by watching Perry Mason. I'm dating myself there. Um, (laughs) But the bottom line there is that major labels are jumping in to this quote-unquote metaverse and you need to be educated as to what what it is and how it can be monetized so you're not screwed by somebody who you sign away your rights to. Because you and I talked about how back in the day it was publishing that people didn't understand. And yep. so people would sign that away. They'd say, oh, you don't have money to record this album? I'll record the album for you, but I own the publishing. And they're like, sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, exactly. uh, be aware well, of what, what's going on. And the article is good in, in that it sort of lays down, this is one of the key components of, of the metaverse is community ownership. The modern metaverse is backed by services that everyone with some tech skills can keep running, powered by crypto networks. When services are decentralized in that way, no single entity can control what we can and can't do with our content, property, and spaces. Huge. Decentralization means that many people are responsible for providing the services we rely on instead of one dictator. And so, you know, when you kind of get your head around that community ownership notion, it starts to kind of clarify a little bit um kind of what we're this space that we're talking about but it is a dramatic change in terms of oh yeah what what we came from to this new sort of decentralized yeah and remember we talked about recently taylor swift selling uh signed digital downloads like you Mm -hmm. buy the song and the cover is has her signature on it and it's it's limited you know that would fall into this category you know some other notable artists that are dropping nfts are uh, Weezer, Eminem, uh, Mick Jagger, Dave Grohl, um, Steve Aoki, um, White Stripes. um, Snoop Dogg sold a private party pass that promises, quote, access to Snoop Dogg's lifestyle. Attend Snoop's (laughs) private metaverse parties, get access to exclusive NFTs, and enjoy priceless experiences. So, yeah, it's it's really foreign uh, to what the old music industry... um, used to be yeah but if you're in the new if you're if you're in the music industry now you do really need to have a handle on this and <laughs> recognize the opportunities the challenges and like everything you know it's like what do you but you Just know but again a couple it's, of advil yeah. yeah well and and you'll you, be okay you you work with so many different artists i assume you've got lots of people you know especially with the headlines that that pop up with how much money can be made or some people are making uh, you must have people, a lot of your artists you work with saying, I want to do that. I want to do that. I wouldn't say a lot. I would say a few um, mm-hmm. because it, you really have to have that demand first. Yes. And a new developing artist typically wouldn't have that demand, although you might be surprised. Uh, there are some developing artists once they develop that core group of fans that, you know, um, I was in Nashville this week um, seeing uh, some shows and there's a group of people that follow a couple of these bands everywhere they go and they buy Mm -hmm. everything they do and they're both you know a mid-level not developing but kind of mid-level artists and 
you know, you can monetize your base once you start getting some some demand. But we'll, you know, we'll follow this metaverse thing closely. I get it. It's it's a little bit crazy, but you know, I would just leave people with that one opening sentence um, because I think it really um, says it all. And I'm I just it bears repeating. Asking what is the metaverse is like asking what is the internet. In many ways, they are the same question. The short answer is that the metaverse is the online world. And there you go. <laughs> Welcome to the metaverse. It sounds so ominous, the metaverse. Yeah, yeah it does. It sounds all sci-fi, yeah. futuristic. Well, well, let's jump over to, uh, I'm trying to think, how many times, Jay, have you told people in meetings or with meetings with artists uh, or in the media about your friends at YouTube and the size of YouTube? And why Every do we day. keep forgetting that YouTube is the biggest music, well, not really distributor, the biggest music company? Yeah, they're the mu- the biggest music digital service provider by far is YouTube. And I don't mean watching videos. I mean listening to music. Yes. I mean, it's not even close. And people have this common misconception about YouTube that it's a place to, you know, you, you record a song, you create a video, you drop it on YouTube, and you're done with it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we have a 40-page deck on YouTube uh, optimization and how to use it and, you know, how to release several different um, videos throughout the release cadence and how to engage with their own kind of social media built into YouTube and how you can optimize for their descriptions and in your channel. And it's, it's a beast. It's a thing. It's come under fire because of low payouts. And mm-hmm. as you know, uh, Lior Cohen uh, went over there, I believe it was 2016. And, that caused an uproar because people are like, well, wait a second, you're, you're switching sides here. Um, and there was hope that things would turn around with the relationships between YouTube and the majors. And that really hasn't happened. But this, this piece that we're referencing is in Music Ally, um, and, which is a fantastic uh, site. I think they're based in the U.K., and they're really referencing um, another story that you have to have a subscription to get to, um, which thankfully I have, um, with uh, Financial Times. And the headline of that piece is music mogul Lior Cohen, quote, I don't look on aggressive as a bad word. Um, <laughs> so he says, you know, that um, he talks about making it in the rap game because that's where he came up. And then why the streaming revolution is good for artists. And we should talk a little bit about, you know, who Lior is and, mm-hmm. and then maybe get into this a little bit. So, you know, he started his career, you know, as a road manager for Run DMC in the 80s, right? He rose yeah. to the ranks and became the co-president of Def Jam in 1988, um, you know, launching LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, uh, Public Enemy. I mean, world-class stuff. And, you know, a year later, he brokered the sale uh, of Def Jam um, and got a 40% stake that he co-owned in the label, and that was reportedly worth $130 million. <laughs> it's a lot wow. of money. Right, yeah, so uh, but- Newsweek um, called him Rap's Unlikely King. Um, he moved to Warner Music Group, um, where I had, I was at Warner Music Group, and I think I had t- two calls that I was on that he, that he was a part of, because I, I managed uh, Amazon's business. Um, for Warner Music Group. So he moved there in, in 2004 and was overseeing, you know, the move from physical sales to digital. But in, in 2013, he co-founded 300 Entertainment. And for those that don't know, you know, that's where Megan the Stallion, Young Thug, others. So in 2016, he goes over to YouTube. And, you know, last month they hit a milestone, you know, of their paid streaming service of 50 million subscribers. Um, so there there was a story this week that YouTube's advertising revenue in the second quarter this year was $7 billion, and that's an 84% rise year over year. Not not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby. And he, you know, he and he's physically a big dude. And and you know, six he, five. He can, yeah, he's huge. And um 
and in, an imposing chap, as as folks would say. So so he you know his reputation kind of precedes him. But I do want to ask you know it's it's funny you, you mentioned that YouTube as a DSP, and that is not incorrect. But it's also, you know, and you and I have uh, offline have talked a lot about kind of the categorization of some of these services and companies. And it's, you know, it makes, at some point we need to do some sort of a a collective kind of uh, either a, uh, a segment or something and to kind of talk about just what... What are the categories of all of these companies that are now in this new music business space? But while yeah. YouTube is certainly a DSP, there's so much more. And it's like calling Yeah, it's, Pandora well, it's like Google. It's got different verticals. Yes, exactly. And so th- th- their success in music is certainly, a, there is a subscription component to it. But as you have said, and we have said, there's just so much stuff there that is doesn't exist anywhere else. Like It's not like you can go listen to a live version of Jellyfish doing No Matter What from back in 1992. That's on YouTube, but it's not anywhere else. So YouTube has just, it's such a, a beast in terms of all the stuff that it has. Um, it's, hard to co- it's hard to compete with that. You're right. If you've got yeah. outtakes, B-sides, live recordings, you know, making of, behind the scenes, things that a lot of that, to your point, is only available on YouTube. And then they talk about YouTube music, which is, think of that as, you know, uh, like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a conventional DSP. I mean, what yeah, I would say is, is a traditional DSP. Yeah, and you can subscribe and pay your monthly fee, and, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I subscribe to it. Um, and I'm I'm really curious to see what Lior is going to do um, with YouTube as far as its relationship with music uh, creators. I do believe, you know, we've talked so much lately and we'll continue to talk about how the songwriters need to be paid more yep. and the CRB and all of that stuff. And we won't go down that rabbit hole uh, this week, but uh, check out last week's episode if you want to learn about, you know, the battle between, um, you know, the, the money that comes in for songwriters and the DSPs want, you know, to pay less, as I mentioned, and, you know, the publishers want them to pay more. I'd love to know where YouTube is going to land. Um, but what I've read so far has been kind of disappointing, you know, in that mm-hmm. Financial Times piece, uh, it says musicians and songwriters complained about not being paid enough, you know, by companies like YouTube. But Cohen will say that streaming is the rising tide that raises all boats. Last year, YouTube says that it paid out more than $4 billion to the music industry, up from more than $3 billion the previous year. Mm, okay, that's a big lump sum, but if you look at it on a per-stream basis, it's the lowest it's, in the industry. That's right. And if they're making the revenue that they're making, which we just talked about, surely... Uh, the creators of the music should be uh, participating and compensated for that. Well, and and you know you've got a guy now running that division at YouTube, then Leor Cohen, who comes from the music side, who has worked with artists, who you know has has had a label. I mean, you know, it it, it it's it to me it strikes as as considerable uh, being disgenerous or 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 you know being it's like, come on. You know, and we've talked about this before. It's like, really? You know, do I really need to tell you that it's a good thing to cut in the, the artist just a little bit more? Um, or the creators, essentially the, the songwriters? It's, I am so, it's so disingenuous of, 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 of somebody of his stature, I, I, I think, agree. To, 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 to not fall at least a little bit on the side of, of the creators. Because yeah, I'll give like, you an example of what yeah. you're talking about, which is spot on. You know, earlier, earlier this year, you know, we talked about the UK government's, you know, uh, DCMS, uh, Digital mm-hmm. Culture, Media, and Sport. You know they published that report that streaming needs a complete reset, and so the the article in the Financial Times, um, they say that they they said that to Lior Cohen, and his quote was, "Okay, what's the next sentence?" And so the writer of this piece scrolled through the notes and pulled out various findings from the report, like a startling statistic that 82% of professional musicians in the UK in 2019 earn less than uh, 200 pounds. Uh, a year from streaming. And Leo Cohen says, and I quote, I don't know what you're referencing. I don't want to speak of something you're just reading off your iPad. Right. Well, yeah. It's like, okay, but yeah. Yeah. So apparently he's moving to London and it says he's moving to London yeah. to oversee the next stage of YouTube's music growth. Uh, and, and so, you know, they kind of end with saying he'll, they suspect he'll become much more familiar with the debate in that particular country and may mm-hmm. even bring his views 
which his views are, and this, this by the way, has cracked me up. It's sometimes people will overregulate and stifle innovation. He told Financial Times recently <laughs> to its study, yeah. and and, it, and it, I, I keep referencing back to the, those early meetings we used to have at Universal in the early days of the internet, in the early days of the new music business, where company after company after company would come in and want to build a business on the backs of the content. And, and give us 5% or 10%. Uh, and it's like, no, you've got this all wrong. And again, this is somebody who has been in both sides of the trenches. Right, and I, I just right. find it disappointing that that he is not an advocate for the creators, you know, because that is where he came from. Oh, yeah, he knows better. And you that's what you were referencing a minute ago, is that of anybody in the music industry, yes. he knows how the sausage is made, he knows how the financials work, yep. and it would be disingenuous to go to YouTube and say, well, you know, we don't want to stifle innovation. And no, he's doing what uh, someone in his position is supposed to do, and that is protect you know, his company and to grow the revenue for his company. Um, but come on, um, we yeah. need to seriously look at... Uh, the uh, remuneration, love that word, of, you. uh, of YouTube, because right now um, they're under fire because they're the lowest in the business at payouts, and they are the number one destination, and they're really growing much of their success on the backs of the music industry. Yep, absolutely. Well, Jay, we do need to kind of wrap up episode number 65. Now, should we? do we want to talk about the bonus episode for next week? Yeah, we're going to... We don't know exactly when this is going to drop, but we've been talking a lot lately about the the battle right now um, between music publishers slash songwriters and um, the labels and DSPs about the payouts um, for streaming. And as we talk about that, there are a lot of really great articles that, we, you know, last week's episode, we really kind of dug deep into it, but I reached out to uh, Chris Castle, um, and you may know Chris Castle from Music Technology Policy, fantastic website. He also writes these incredible uh, pieces uh, on kind of the, you know, on policy and, and legal things that are happening with the music industry and helps us to make sense of it all. Anyway, you and I are going to hop on a call with him and talk through uh, some of this just to make sure that we're uh, on top of it. <laughs> That's um, right. And then uh, I'd like to have a, a bonus episode where we just drop it in and talk about this because there's so much to it. And Chris is so smart. You know, he's a music industry attorney. He, he battles this stuff day in and day out. And I would love to share his take with everybody. I know you would yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, looking forward to that for sure. So uh, I do want to thank our sponsors, by the way, Jay. Uh, TiVo Music Metadata. We've got Bandzoogle. We've got Hypebot. We've got Bands in Town. We are lucky guys to have wonderful sponsors yes, for our show. And of course, big thanks to the folks that tune in every week. We could not do this without you. Certainly, Jay is... Listen to his melodious tones and the way he says ARPU and all this other <laughs> stuff is, is so so spot on. But we really Arpu. appreciate you listening. Into, oh, there he goes again. I'm going to get Arpu. a dog and name it ARPU. ARPU, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the funniest word in the new music business, ARPU it is. Really is. Or acronym, I should say. It's not really a word, it's an acronym. Uh, but so thanks for listening in because Jay and I really appreciate it. We know you have many choices out there in podcast land. So the fact, the fact that you land here with us every week is super, super uh, we are super thankful that, that that happens. And so thanks for listening in. We will see you next week on the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.